apostrophe I-T-W-I-T H-D-A-N-N-Y and J-E-N-N-Y Doing it with Danny and Jenny Doing it with Danny and Jenny Doing it with Danny and Jenny It's a revolution in podcasts Welcome to the best part of any show, usually. Eli Braden. Eli you know Braden, bringing the heat. <laughs> I haven't seen him in forever, but yeah, he's great. I remember, I, I think I once was, one time I met you somewhere and Eli <laughs> was there too. I do remember you being around. I remember like Megan Amram was there and you were, I can't remember where we were. Was it at was the, it like com- the comic book? Yeah, maybe the improv or the comic book, the back of that comic book store. Oh, Meltdown. Oh, yeah. maybe Meltdown. Yeah, it could have been. Anyway, look, we're, we're, it's a big spoiler alert because he chimed in. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, like oh, Jenny, do you want to do the intro? Because you're the best. I w- I'm happy to do this because you've seen this gentleman. Everywhere. Sarah Silverman program. Love he it. was, that was one of my favorite mm-hmm. things ever. I hate it when that show ended. But Suicide Squad, everyone's favorite King Shark, it's Steve Agee. Hi guys! Oh my god! Calm down. Shirts on. Oh, they're going nuts. Not the not the voice of King Shark, though. Sadly, (laughs) that's uh, that's Sylvester Stallone. That that was you or not? Did they alter your voice? But that was a hundred percent someone else. Stallone. Stallone. Yeah. And you were in another big one. I just saw. I'm trying to remember because you were. Oh, you were in. Wait, what's the other one where you were live in it? Was it that? The same one. I played two characters. That's, okay, that's what I thought. Okay, because yeah, yeah. I didn't remember you as... I didn't know you played King Shark. Wait, no, I didn't I just know did, that Stallone did, did the voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just did the motion capture for King Shark. And um, and then Stallone came in and spent yeah, an hour it, doing the voice. <laughs> is it one but, of those things I, where it's like... Every... A lot more work, so, so you got paid more for that, right? right. Not because of I, I doubt it. <laughs> I'm guessing he made oodles you, more than i did <laughs> do you feel like every time you go like on an audition for something it's always between you and stallone <laughs> i see him at so many auditions <laughs> it's like there he is in the waiting room like this motherfucker once again jesus yep. unbelievable you would have made an amazing rocky that's not fair you well i mean his, his face was the first one you would see on the wall at jeff greenberg's uh casting agency for um for modern family Wait, no, I was down. Oh, no, I'm I just kidding. Okay, oh, God. <laughs> you walk in and Stallone is right there on the wall. I, I, I legitimately think at one point for something stupid, it was pitched Sylvester Stallone for something as a cameo. And it, it, it then became, I was like, that's fine. And then, then it became Billy Crystal, which was, yeah, that's fine. But, um, <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, and you, you of course, uh, uh, were. I mean, I altered the so, course yeah. of history with your appearance on Modern Family. Yeah, I shook up the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was so much fun. I, I I had auditioned for that show so many times, and Jeff was so great to like keep bringing me back. And um, you know, you have he, no. You know, go on, keep going. He, he just <laughs> kept saying, "Well, don't worry, we'll find something. We'll find something. We'll find something." And they eventually did. did. Yeah. And what was the what was the character for the people? We were I was with a couple who were 
they they would collect or show figurines. Is that right, Danny? Yes, that was and, it. And there they were Airbnb. Yeah, the upstairs <laughs> at uh, <laughs> Eric's uh, house. <laughs> yeah, and so the idea was they had these things, and they basically became convinced that there was like a murder going oh. on. Yes, <laughs> a happy I mean, couple. I forgot what your name was, but it was like a happy couple, yeah. and then Jeff, and me. Yeah, and it was like, <laughs> like, what's going on up there? Is that, is, is that their son? Is that who is that? <laughs> and uh, it was really, it was a very funny episode. Of course, you were. And now, yeah. Steve, you also you you write. You wrote on Jimmy Kimmel, didn't you? Yeah, that was my first. It, it was very brief. I, I started on that show as a researcher, and I stuck. Around. I mean, my job on Jimmy's show when I first started for a couple of years was just watching TV. And looking for, you know, the clips that he shows in his monologue. So it was like, really, you go in thinking it's a dream job. Like, I'm going to watch TV for 12 hours today. And, but it's like, you're watching The View and The 700 Club and QVC. And it's so exhausting. And I just stuck around because I wanted to be a writer. And Jimmy knew it and eventually made me a writer. And I think after like three months, I, I'm... I'm positive he was going to fire me because (laughs) just nothing I pitched. We were just on like, I think two different wavelengths. I would just constantly pitch. And it was funny because the pitch meetings at, at Jimmy Kimmel, he would sit at the head, head of this really long table and they would pitch going from Jimmy's right around the table. And I was the new guy. So I was the last person to pitch. And so literally (laughs) You know, a, a story would come up like Brit- something happening to Britney Spears, which everyone would pitch jokes for. And literally, you know, by the end of the writers meeting, they would get to me and he'd just be like, no more jokes about Britney Spears. You were the last one. Yeah, like, that's going to be the worst. You're just like, like marking off like, well, they, that was my idea. That was my idea. That was my I kept like, pitching a story some- on Twitter. And you're like, you, oh, it happened an hour ago. That's how I feel about like Weekend Update or something on SNL. It's like something happens on a Monday. Everyone on Twitter has written every possible yep. joke. And then yep. I'm always impressed if they have something that, an angle that no one thought of. Yeah, and it was, uh, I, I would always pitch, <laughs> I would pitch a bit. I pitched it so many times <laughs> where if there was a big story like that, like Lindsay Lohan getting out of a car and she's not wearing underwear and it's just like, <laughs> everyone's pitching jokes and and for days there were just so many jokes and he can't use them all so I kept pitching a bit called laughovers where like we just do a big dump of all the jokes for that topic at the very end laugh dump and he was just like no 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 I was like laughovers maybe (laughs) no you know, Steve, we were talking about like when I saw you last, like before that, where I where I met it. I think Eli was there. I now that you mentioned, it, I do think it was at Jimmy's house. Oh, I mean, that's very Molly possible. Having something, and maybe we were at something, and then we went with Molly, and it, it was like over at uh, the house in the hills. So that was where we. I, that's I, very possible. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, um, I think actually, I feel like now that I I was at that. I think you might have been. I very think I was too. at that because I feel like there was a story. Now it's all wafting back to me. Well, I know the first time I met you, Jenny, you were with Jenna Elfman at, and I met you at Jimmy and Molly's. Yeah. Was it that night? No. It was a different night? There was very few people there. Yeah. 
It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's when we met. But I remember like that night, and I'm going to ask you to tell the story, but I swear Molly told some story when we were sitting there about you. And uh, it Steal was it. like the, the love sack thing. Steal it. I stole a bean bag from the show. And <laughs> It fell out of the back of my truck on the fucking freeway. <laughs> Almost killed a million people. And it's one of these things, Dave. It's called, I, I was laughing so hard now. I remember yeah. this. It, do you know what? It was called a love sack. Uh -huh. They're Is giant like, beanbags. They yeah. are like huge, the size of a couch. And there was a love sack store across the street from the El Capitan where we shot right. Jimmy's show. And, mm -hmm. um, one day they came over and they're like, we would love to donate a bunch of our bean bags to your show for like the green room. And, and so they had a bunch in the green room and I was like, fuck, I want one of those for sitting and watching TV for 12 hours. And, right. and oh. Molly was just like, just fucking take one, take it upstairs, take it. And I took it and it was just too big for the office. <laughs> like there was no way, like it was so big. And then, uh, I was like, I, I think I'm just going to take it home. <laughs> and I told Molly, she's like, yeah, just, just take it. Like, right. they're too big for the green room, you know? And so I had a, a small Ford Ranger pickup truck and I drove it into the alley and I fucking like Atlas, I'm just rolling this thing down the hallway and I get it into the back of my truck. And it is literally the size of the bed of my truck. <laughs> And I mean, they're, they're like comically huge. It's like yeah. ridiculous. They're heavy as shit. And I'm like, there's no way it's going to fall out of the back of my truck. And I'm going to take side streets. So I leave work and I'm driving up Highland. Uh -huh. And you know how at the end of Highland by the Hollywood Bowl, it literally will turn into the freeway. Right. Or Coenga just kind of parallel. Yeah, way to the I, left. I was yeah. like, I'm going to take Coenga to the left. As I come up. Coenga is closed because something was happening at the, oh, the, there was a show at the Hollywood Bowl and it's yeah. like, and it was about to let out. So they had closed down. <laughs> I couldn't drive. And so I had, I was just diverted onto the freeway and I was like, it's fine. This thing's like 300 pounds. It's fine. Nothing's going to happen. And I'm cruising down the freeway and I pass Lancashire and I'm right at like the overpass that's like Vineland or yeah, that's like, like that, 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 yeah. that cloverleaf right there. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And there's like, as you hit the, the overpass, there's just like a little bit of a rise in the road and I hit it and launched. I just look, remember looking in the rearview mirror and seeing it fly out of the back of my truck and then start rolling along the freeway. And luckily we're in the outside slow lane. And it kind of rolls half into the lane and half onto <laughs> the shoulder. And I am just like, and there's no way, be, because it's on an overpass, there's no shoulder. Yeah, there's so nowhere I, for you to stop. I can't pull over. And so I get off on the next exit, which is like Tahunga or something. And I like, I'm like, do I just go home and pretend this did not happen? No, I would feel too fucking guilty if somebody died. So I have to go back to Lancashire and get back on the freeway. And because it's happened right where the freeway goes over yeah. uh, Vineland, there's nowhere to pull over. So I have to park my tr truck and then run out onto the freeway, which, you know, like 40 yards uh -huh. and fucking move this goddamn like, <laughs> 150 pound 
beanbag, drag it. Cars are fucking honking. And like, it's, it's like nine o'clock at night. And then I get it back into the truck and get off the free. It never would have happened if I hadn't had to get on the freeway. Is- Wait, what, by the way, what color was it? I just have to know. It was kind of like a, a baby blue, but it was, it was, so it was like, like the six, worst gender reveal ever. Is what it yeah. It was like, like a, yeah. six, a six foot <laughs> beanbag. It's a boy. It's, <laughs> and it's a fucking 18 car pileup on top I, of it. It would still not be the most damaging gender reveal. <laughs> so you're no, like, no, 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 not at all. But I remember Molly, like, tell, like, she, we were laughing. And she was telling that story and you were like, we were laughing and she was like that you called and, and she goes, I just heard Steve was just going love sack. Just it's the love, <laughs> like love, the love sack. sack. It's on the freeway. It's on the the love sack. freeway. <laughs> It'd be great if the B-52s were performing that night. <laughs> love <laughs> sack. <laughs> No, I don't think that. No, love sack. <laughs> love, love sack, baby. There it is. Mm-hmm. Wait, so Steve, it's also funny to me that you drove a Ford Ranger. That is the smallest of all of the pickup trucks that exist in it's the world. It's pretty small. I mean, this was an older version that had like, it was an extended cab. So I could put the seat all the way back and my legs oh. would fully stretch out. It, w- it was decent. Oh, okay. Well, that's not too bad. I remember when I was in high school, I went on a date with this guy and he had a Ford Ranger. And I just remember like, I think this is the deal breaker. I can't even pull the fucking chair back. Like this is. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, what mean you said you thought Jimmy was going to fire you at any minute after three months. Did he, or did you leave? No. So we have a, a meeting. I've been working there for like, yeah, like 12 weeks or something like that. Yeah. They have three month contracts. That's typical lately. Yep. So it was 12 weeks and I go in to have a meeting with him and he's just like, something's just not clicking. And he's like, look. And at that point I had shot uh, the pilot for the Sarah Silverman program. Wow. And he goes, you're going to do this TV show. It's going to get picked up. I'm Because uh, we had all seen the pilot. He's like, I'm pretty sure it's going to get picked up. And uh, it did, but he had hired me as a writer because when I was watching TV, I also just started when I would go to the editing bay to upload these clips, I would just start making video bits. Like I would take a call in on QVC and I would revoice the person on the other end. <laughs> Amazing. And Jimmy loved that shit. And so when he hired me, he's like, I want, he's like, you're going to have so much time. I want a lot more of these. And I was like, okay. But what we didn't take into account was I had no, once I became a writer, I had no time to watch TV. It it was literally your schedule is like you roll in, you go to the pitch meeting and you're there till lunch and then you eat lunch. And then from lunch, you go back to your office and you get notes on what bits they're going to do. And you have to do punch ups or you get assigned, you have to write this desk piece or this field bit. And like, next thing you know, it's rehearsal. And it's like, I I have no time to watch TV. No, it's weird. It's it, this happens a lot in entertainment. I notice a lot is like you get promoted out of the thing you've excelled at so well. Yeah. And so then there's a double whammy on you because no one can come into the writing job as good as that thing you had perfected here. And not only that, they miss having that job done yeah. so well. And that I've seen this so many times. I've seen people become showrunners who maybe never should have been showrunners because it's a yeah. totally separate skill. And as a result, 
were letting the writing part, which they did so brilliantly, fall aside, you know? So. Yeah, and I, and I I probably could have done that. We would have had to have tailor-made a position for me as a writer, but I also really saw the other writers probably growing to hate the fact that I wasn't, wouldn't have had to be, be going to pitch meetings. And of course, like, so now he's a writer and gets paid what we do. And he's still just watching TV. You know, I could have yeah. seen that happen. Nobody did that, but I could have seen that happening. Yeah. Luckily Sarah's show came along because I, I'm pretty sure I would have been demoted back to TV watcher. <laughs> and I have like just a much more bizarre, um, yeah. sense of humor you know and no, you're, you're a weirdo and i mean that in the best possible way i mean <laughs> totally but you know i'm thankful he even gave me that job you know he doesn't have i've never worked for somebody who's like more faithful to his employees and no. takes care like yeah. he, all of his, his writers came with him from like the man show and in yeah. rock from k rock like yeah everybody like he hires his family he hired he he, he feels responsible. Yeah, he yeah. feel and he feels responsible for all these people. And you know, whenever we would break for a hiatus, you know, the night before, you know, the last night of a show before the hiatus, he would have a big party out in like the the back parking lot, and and he would be the one manning the barbecue grill, and like he's he's a great boss, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's just like he's just been like he's an amazing dude. I mean, I'm just like very, very, very impressed with that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to talk about Sarah Silverman because I, I'm very obsessed with that show and was like, uh, just I uh, love that show. I, so I, much. I just, like, Me and Brian Posehn are my favorite character, like <laughs> Hollywood couple, if they're ever, if you love them. Yeah, <laughs> you were Mitch and Cam before Mitch and Cam. Now, let me. Here's a question: Did you ever work with Brian prior to that? No. So I met Sarah. <laughs> I had been taking classes at the Groundlings and, and I had basically been spending every single day of my life for probably about four years at the Groundlings. Like mm -hmm. once I found the Groundlings, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do comedy. And, you know, I grew up in a house where my dad was a doctor and in my whole family and just out to like the uncles and cousins and every, there was nobody involved in entertainment or the arts so I didn't think it was possible to even do that and then I started dating a girl who was in classes at the Groundlings and I went to a show and I was like this is it I get it and so yeah. I went full bore into the Groundlings and was there for four years your guy's friend Michael McDonald was one of oh, my yeah. teachers wow. Mindy Sterling um Melanie Graham, all these amazing wow. people. Yeah. And I was there with like Maya Rudolph and Will Forte and Chris Parnell and just like heavy wow. hitters who, yeah, yeah. you know, and I would work in the office or I would work taping shows at night just to pay for classes sure. and, and then just go to, go to the classes and then go to workshops. So I was at that theater literally every day for like four years. And then after your last, your last class is like a, it, it's 12 weeks. You, you write a show for six weeks and then you do a show, you write for six weeks and then do a show. And then you write for six weeks and do another show. And so we did this show. And after the second show, you know, I get a call the next day from Mindy Sterling, who was my teacher and she was crying and she's like, we have to let you go. 
because they had voted the night before and I was the last person that she had called and she was just like, I, I'm confused, but I'm so sorry. And I was literally was just like, I had to go to therapy because these people were my family now. And it was just like, wait, so I can't go in there and do class. Like literally nothing. And like, I had no backup plan. This is such a gut punch. I can't imagine. I didn't know that that's how it was too. I mean, like, I didn't realize that that is how. And, And you're auditioning. I mean, you're, you're being reviewed to go into the Sunday company, which is like the B league, you know, and like the farm league. And after that, I just kind of bounced around LA doing improv and sketch in really small theaters and like bars around town. And it was just like, fuck, what am I doing? And then uh, I have a friend, Jim Giordano, who is doing a play with, uh, David Juskow. I don't know if you guys know oh, David do, Juskow. How do I know him? What? He's a New York comic. He, you might know him as he, he made a movie about the cars, like a documentary about the cars that he just made with a handicam, a video cam, oh. not a documentary. He made him, he wrote a movie. He played like Rick Ocasek and just oh. had all his comedy friends like he made a feature length movie with just a video camera I and it's hilarious amazing um, but he's also like <laughs> really good friends with Sarah Silverman and so he came here from New York to do he had written a pilot and then he decided to do it as a play and do it do a run here you know down on theater row and um it was like it was me and Juskow and Bonnie McFarlane was in it oh, at wow. one point. Oh yeah, I love Mark her. Cohen was in it at one point, and Mark had been dating Bonnie, and they broke up. So Bonnie left the play, <laughs> and it was a lot of recasting. And like two two or three days before this play was supposed to start, there's a guy you probably know, Danny uh, Danny Vermont. I do know that name, and now, I'm, but I'm spacing. He, he writes for. Um, God, what does he write for? Bill, he writes for Bill Maher and has for forever. And he was in the play and then he dropped out at like the 11th hour and they were scrambling. So my friend Jim, who was in it said, oh, you should hire my friend Steve because they needed someone who could also play guitar. And and so he hired me. And after, you know, opening night, Sarah, Sarah came to opening night and she made it a point to come up to me afterwards and say, Oh my God, that was really great. You were awesome. And you want to smoke a joint. And <laughs> so we went outside and smoked a joint. And like from that day on, Sarah and I were like best buds. Like we yeah. were inseparable for like years. <laughs> and um, yeah, so she would write stuff for me and we would, we spent a lot of time. I mean, this was our late twenties, early thirties. We'd spend a lot of time playing golden eye and smoking weed or playing you don't know jack and smoking weed and people would always drift into her apartment like brian posein and swartzen and oh wow you know dave rath and uh, that's how i met all these people and so she like you know like sandler likes to write for her friends and and that's how that all came about she she originally had written a show for herself before the comedy central one i saw it because i saw her do it at like a, either the comedy central space or the hbo space it's like sarah gets a something right jesus like, is magic 
Oh, was it Jesus's magic? Well, Jesus, that was wasn't that her stand-up? That was her show? stand-up show, right? So she did a show. We didn't shoot it, but she wrote a show with Larry Dave, uh, Larry Charles. Okay. For HBO, and it was it never made it past the t- network table read, but it oh. was like me and Sarah and Paul Rudd and Kevin Corrigan. Wow. And uh, it was really funny. I mean. You know, she wrote it with Larry, who's a genius, and and they didn't pick it up. And then she went and pitched to Comedy Central, and we kind of did a new version. And uh, which, by the way, that's crazy to me that she's did something with Larry Charles, and it doesn't get picked up. No, like, it was it was really good. It, <laughs> it was Charles right after nine eleven too. So there was a lot. You know, the whole pilot episode had to do with like how awkward shit was around New York after. 9-11. Yeah, Larry, Larry Charles, I, I worked with the very first job I ever had. He was a writer on the Arsidio Hall show with me. If you can imagine that. <laughs> oh, my God. No. It, it's really funny. We had a, a funny story about him was, you know, because he had a very dark. He was like, he was really a, like almost a father figure to me in a, in, in a way because I was very young and he's about 10 years old. Than I am. But he, he um, but he was so funny because he was so dark and he was like, the you know, he still had that vibe, Larry Charles. Yeah. At one point, Arsidio says, hey, you know, these cold openings that we're doing on the show. So let's just like try and get my voice a little bit more. And he's like, no, no, I hear you. And then our, the next day it was like Bo Derek was going to be on the show and we had to submit cold opens. And his was, she got torn apart by wild dogs on the Paramount lot. <laughs> and I think, was, I think that was the end. But he was like, at the time was like, he, he like pulled me aside. Cause I was like, you know, I was having money in my pocket. I was like 25, I was doing this. And he just put, but he pulled me aside. He said, you know, ride writing is great, but you know, you should branch out. I'm working weekends. Cause I said, you should come to Vegas with us. Now nah, I'm going to work. I am working with a friend of mine. And the thing he was helping out on was Seinfeld. And, oh, it, was like, fuck, oh. dude. and it was like, holy shit. That it was just a big object lesson for me. And uh, um, you're like, you I know. got an eight ball of Coke. We're going to Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I realized I could be working on these shows with an eight ball of Coke here. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> But you and Brian were so, I want to talk about that a little yeah. bit. Because yeah, yeah. like some of the things, like I find myself, like when people ask to show funny videos, like we, we always talk about them and there's yeah. like a handful of 20. But one that just gets me in the tickler is when you di- you discover that the only song on Brian Poussain's iPod is Two Princes by the Spin, Spin Doctors. doctors and yeah. he was saying, yeah, I'm going out. I need to listen to my heavy metal. Yeah. And it's like, and <laughs> it's crushed. Cool. Your whole world falls apart. It's almost like Shelley Duvall finding the only thing. Hundred percent. I'm sure that was also an in, uh, yeah, uh, in, an influence because in it. it's all just two princes, two princes, two princes, and, like, like and it's just like it's a perfectly constructed B story. Also, just I love when something gets out of hand, and the tab story, of course. Oh yeah, is, yeah, is, is, is spectacular. And uh, I tried to buy that car because in that episode we make a car. <laughs> really. I, I convert our car into like a giant ta- can of tab and we had it for the last two seasons of the show. Uh-huh. And I, I remember asking Gary Mann if I could buy that car. Okay. I was like, I was like, I kind of want to buy that. Cause it, <laughs> and he's like, well, the truth is we don't own it. It's a rental. And we just kind of, we have to paint it back to its original yeah. color. And I was like, no oh. one can own the tab car. No, it's its own thing. <laughs> no. Doing it, Nation. I'm coming to you, Jenny Johnson, comedian, writer, all around, straight up G. I'm about to let you know about Athletic Greens AG1 that I just started taking because 
now that I'm 44 years old and, you know, mama gets a little tired from time to time. And I'm telling you, this green drink is amazing. I don't want a lot of sugar because I still got to keep my body looking tight. This has low sugar. It tastes great. It helps me sleep at night. Another thing I have problems with. And I just feel good all the way around. The most important thing for me is it containing less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. I am forever searching for healthy options, low in sugar and high in taste, and AG1 is the perfect fit for me. It gives me all the energy I need during the day. I get a great night's sleep, and you know what? I look amazing. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I think AG1 does. AG1 is where it's at. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash doing it. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash doing it to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, doing it nation, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting props and futures. Head to bet online and use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code CLNS50, that is CLNS50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Did, did you get, like you and Brian, I, I always thought it was so funny. I mean, it, the two of you being in a domestic partnership in general was just funny. It's like, yeah, not what you expect. How yeah. many people, because it was so not, you know, like it was the we opposite of stereotype. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it broke down every stereotype that yeah. anyone could possibly say. Did people come up to you and like, yeah. you know, like really, I, I bet you and Brian are like tons. People would come up to us, to me all the time, at least. And like, I remember being in Amoeba and, um, a guy comes up to me and he's just kind of like short and like really heavy, just a, a beard, like a neck beard and like greasy long hair and like, you know, like a Slayer t-shirt. And he's like, Oh my God, I fucking love your show. He's like, my boyfriend and I love your show and uh, we love it. Cause, cause you're just like us. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm just like, <laughs> Not gay, not negative about gay, but like, oh my God, I am a slob. And that is like, yeah, there's the every type of gay person. There right. are. And then you, 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 one of my, one of my favorite things when you guys make up is like, I'm so fucking gay for you, man. I'm so gay for you. <laughs> so you know, it's funny when we shot the pilot and the original opening credits of the show, which got changed once we started shooting, Sarah is... It's like a slideshow. The the opening credits were always like, a, this is my sister and this is Jay and this is Stephen Bryan. And it was originally, this is Stephen Bryan. They're roommates or, or lovers. I'm not really sure. So it was ambiguous. You didn't know if we were gay or not. And then I'm glad they, you know, actually made the choice it. to be like, yeah, they should definitely be gay. But it wasn't until like the second, maybe even the third, no, it was the second episode 
we were shooting and we were on set shooting and Brian's like looking at the script and he just goes, are we gay? <laughs> like two episodes in, I was like, yeah, dude, we're gay. <laughs> because That's- the pilot, we, you know, it was ambiguous. Before we get to recommendations of what you've been watching or what's making you laugh and, and yeah. things like that, did you always know you were going to do this? Like, where were yes. you? And where were you, you grow up? Crazy? I did not. I grew up in Riverside. I, I grew up an hour away from here, east, like kind of near San Bernardino. And I always tell people there were no stakes in me moving to L.A. because if shit didn't work out, I could literally be at my parents' house in an hour for a hot <laughs> meal. Like when I hear people go, I came here from Michigan. I had two hundred dollars. I knew nobody. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Why didn't you go to Chicago? It was so much closer. Yeah. But um, I, I knew when I was like 10 that I wanted to be an actor. I didn't know how to do it or if it was even possible. But John Ritter was my idol when I was a child. Like, idolized him. I just wanted to be John Ritter. It's so great. I wanted to be an actor, a comedic actor, and a stand-up comedian. The first album I ever bought with my own money I was 11. I was 11 and I rode my bike to the mall and I bought Steve Martin. (laughs) Nope. George Carlin, a place for my stuff. I was 11, (laughs) 11. I didn't understand half the shit he was saying. Oh, but if I it know- makes you feel any better. My dad would like wake me up in the middle of the night when I was like six and go, Hey, you know, watch Cheech and Chong. Oh, I'm like, great. I'm six. I'm like, I, I don't even yes. know what this is, but he also showed me George Carlin. So I will say this cause we're on a very similar childhood here. Uh, Steve, yeah. But do you remember the Columbia record house? Where you of course. Know? Okay. So you get of five course. albums. You get five I think albums. I still owe them money. I do know. I, yeah. They're still coming after me. But the, yeah. the, there's like five albums for a nickel, and four of them for me were like comedy albums. It's like it, yes. was, it was exactly the same thing. It was hundred percent. And I found all of this because of Doctor Demento. Uh, Every Sunday night, I would lay in bed same. as a kid. I had a transistor radio with a mono earpiece, and I would listen to Doctor Demento until I, you know. And by the way, I would listen to it until it was over. And then Dr. Ruth would come on. She was also syndicated. And that's how I learned about sex was through (laughs) Dr. Ruth. And that's how I found out about like Weird Al and Spike Jones and and George Carlin and like like fucking everybody. It was it was amazing. It was my church. We had Weird Al on the podcast a few years ago, and he mentioned Mm -hmm. like Dr. Demento being his. Oh, yeah. One of his, you know, inspiration. His launching pad, yeah. I mean, truly remarkable. Like, what, like, what an interesting story you've had, and what of everything you've done, like, what is your favorite thing? Like, do you have your a favorite role that you've ever had? Like, what's something I mean, that stands out? I, Sarah, I'm I'm kind of biased towards Sarah's show because it was really my first. I'd done a couple commercials, but it was my first, like. Here's your first TV gig. You're on, yeah. you're a regular on a TV show. Like <laughs> with the most amazing people. Amazing. Beautiful. Friends. Friends. You know, yeah. people I already knew. And one more question before we get into our shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. I have to ask. So when you were doing Sarah's show mm-hmm. and you, and Brian, okay. So you and Brian are in a domestic partnership. Relationship. Yeah. 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 We're gay. 
<laughs> no, did you seal the deal? Is what I want. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we were married by the end of the show by uh, Bradley um, but, Whitford. Okay, so but my thing I, I always remembered like hearing about was that you got on Twitter very early on, yes. and you had like over a million followers. I was one and of the first people to get a million followers. And then you got off of Twitter followers. and lost everybody. Yes. I, I'd been on Twitter for like a year and I kind of topped out at like 5,000 followers, which is, makes sense. Nobody fucking knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember after a year, Sarah signed up and within like two days had like 50,000 followers or something like that. And I was like, what the fuck? We're on the same TV show. <laughs> Why do you have 50,000? And so I tweeted that if I can get, no, what was it? 5,000 followers? If, if I can get like 5,000, something like, I I think I called it the AG 5,000. I was like, yeah, if I can get 5,000 more Twitter or Twitter followers, this was on like a Monday. By Friday, Saturday, I'll do a live stream where I read every one of my followers' names. <laughs> and Smart. nobody saw me tweet that it it was very I was gaining maybe like two followers a day and then my friend called me and he's like dude I did some math and he's like I figured if you actually have to do this and read like 5,000 names it'll take you like eight hours and I was like yeah I don't want to do that anymore I'm, and I didn't delete the tweet and I just kind of ignored it. And then Rain Wilson saw it and retweeted it. And it, my number started skyrocketing. Then James Gunn saw it and retweeted it. Sarah retweeted it. And then at some point, someone at Twitter just added me to the list of people you are automatically following when you join. That's a, That was a thing. Like, yeah, when you sign up, if you don't know anybody, you are you have to uncheck these people if you don't want to be following them because you are automatically... And it was like Oprah, Ashton Kutcher, Deepak Chopra, and then me. That makes sense. I think if the, I'm sure you run into all of them at the same auditions. Um, oh yeah. my god! Slow. And so I, by Thursday night, had to lock my account, lock my account because I had so many followers. I was like, "This is fucking out of control." And so I did the live stream on Saturday, and it took me like eight hours, and I read everybody's name. And luckily, you know, people like Rain would call in and read names for me. And then James came over and Sarah read names and, 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 but I stayed on that list. And so over the next year or two, I just was getting like 10,000 followers a day, just as more people were joining Twitter and it was just a perfect storm. And I got over a million, I like a million four hundred thousand followers or something like that but i got really sick of every fucking day having to sign on to twitter and see who the fuck are you and why am i following how come i'm following you i never followed you who the fuck are you and i was just like i can't take this my ego cannot take this shit i you know i get my feelings hurt and so i just deleted my twitter account a million followers (laughs) James Gunn the next day was like, are you out of your fucking mind? You could have sold your account. He's like, a corporation would have bought a million followers from you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? Yeah, or just not log on and just let this happen while you're not watching. Yeah. 
or just don't read the comments. It just I I really overreacted, and um, two weeks later, I was back on. I went to a movie, and I was like, "This is really good." And my first instinct was to tweet about it, and it was just I think it was Scott Pilgrim, and I was like, "Well." And, and uh, I, 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 yes, it was. And I was at the premiere and I told Edgar, I was like, man, if I was on Twitter, I'd, I'd tweet about this. It was really good. And he's like, so fucking sign back up again. And I was like, oh yeah. And so here I am like did 10 you, years later. Did you ever get, did you get any percentage of them back? Yeah, I think now I'm at like 130,000 followers, okay, which is a good amount for me. Yeah, you don't want to, yeah, that's that's fine. It's a good amount, but also that is like, did that eat it? Yeah. <laughs> To have for had, a while it did for yeah. a while yeah i mean that that's such an insane story but yeah stupid well steve <laughs> that's first of all that's amazing and it's like fuck you're a delight you're always yeah. you're one of those people i always thanks man i always love seeing you on on stuff and you're you're just good in everything so um speaking of that though raycon no um <laughs> what what have you been watching what stuff you're recommending that you like I've the past couple of days been watching Hundred Foot Wave oh. on HBO Max. Yeah, this the I saw that. Surf, that how many episodes are in? It's seven episodes are hour longs, and it's a docu series about this guy who's like my age. He's like, or he's like two years older, so he's like fifty four or fifty five, uh-huh. and he's trying to set the world record by riding a, a wave that's a hundred feet tall. He's a surfer and he currently holds the world record. He rode a wave that was 78 feet tall and there's video. I mean, it's in the TV show. It's in the first or second episode. You, you see him, they tow him out on a jet ski, like he's behind a water, you know, like he's water skiing and then he lets go of the rope and it is terrifying. It's like a building of water behind him. Yeah. And they just drop down. You just wait. It's like, you just, hold your breath yeah and so it's him and these guys that are you know out there like constantly trying to break these records and it's fascinating oh i really want to check that out yeah it's like it's like basically like sliding down a building except the building can fall on you and oftentimes does (laughs) yeah and then all of a sudden it's like it appears that they're like in a washing machine you don't even see like which way is up like you wipe out surfing yeah I can't even imagine that. I've surfed, but never like that. I can't imagine like what that wipeout. Yeah, I used to surf too when I was in like college, and I can't like a six foot wave used to scare the shit out of me. (laughs) I mean, almost it almost killed Greg Brady in Hawaii. So, (laughs) uh, well, that's because the taboo idol he was wearing around (laughs) his neck. He was wearing the disturbed it. Um, Him and Vincent Price. Remember, Vincent Price was in that episode. Yeah. They, oh, he, hell yeah. You know, he was in I that I fully forgot cave. about that, but he was totally in that. Yep. Um, and I love the music that they would play. When they, because they had the little tiki necklace thing. We yep. did the Modern like, Family in um, in uh, Australia, in, 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 um, uh, in Hawaii. Sorry, we've been to so many places. Um, <laughs> when we were in Hawaii, actually shooting at the White Lotus Hotel. No. Yeah, it really was Four Seasons oh, nice. Maui. But... Um, we wanted, we had the kids in the bedroom and there was a TV that was there. He said, can we just be playing the Brady Bunch Hawaii episode in there? <laughs> and we never, it never cleared. So we never got it. Uh, that would have been excellent. <laughs> it would have been good. Jenny, what about you? I finally just dove into the new season of Ted Lasso. Wow. Have you seen it yet, Danny? I know that you've been. 
I haven't seen a minute of Ted Lasso yet. Oh, I know. First season is, I haven't seen the second season yet. It's, it's, it's either next or white Lotus, but it was like, it's incredible. I love it so much because the character is like Andy Griffith. Like he's not a shitty person at all. And there's very little conflict and it still works as a really awesome up, lifting show it, it really it's that's what i was gonna say it's one of the most like heartwarming things you can see but it's funny it's not yeah i think sometimes people will go like oh it's so sweet and you're like yeah next i don't want to we equate that with cloying right you know? I'm like, yes. no i want to see people be awful and everything but you get that it's it's just that it's always kind of reeled back in like it, i don't even know it, it's the new- polar opposite of succession yeah <laughs> It's, it is the polar opposite of succession. It, it is. It's a really great. I don't know. I I really like it, and it's just, it is something that you watch and you're like, okay, you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like you you don't like it. I remember like I binge watched Succession when yeah. like yeah. <laughs> I was like, God, am I I'm a piece of shit? I think I don't know. I'm like, am I like these people? Like I don't like you keep binging something back to back to back. This was something that's just like, oh man, this is so. Yeah, it's funny. It's like feel good, but and not there's not funny. even like you know, like when you watch um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, there's yeah. there's moments where you're just like, oh, fu-, you can see what's coming, and you're like, this is gonna be so fucking uncomfortable. I'm like nervous. Like there's not even shit like that. It's like yeah. no, no, like Curb smiling the whole show. I was watching Curb one time, and I got so uncomfortable. I literally like walked out of the room as if I was part of that at the yeah. restaurant with them like in the show yeah. because it was so i'm like oh god here he goes oh yeah. i don't want to be <laughs> take this part yeah yeah <laughs> what um, about you danny what have you been watching i this is so this is gonna be so random but like i have this week started watching from the very beginning and i'm like into the last season of it just re-watching children's hospital <laughs> oh, I, that's fucking rob cordry oh my god i love it's that the, show it's the most because i you know I, I, you know, I remember watching it as it would come out and watching it again. And it is just, it's next. There, there are some episodes in there, what they did in 10 minutes that are just so, it, it, I mean, obviously it's off the wall in this, but they're so beautifully crafted and weird and, and, and everybody's so good on it. It's like, I don't know. I just, uh, that, that's been my yeah. delightful thing i've you know so each of the characters on children's hospital, it, it's so like quirky, but perfectly mm-hmm. like, yeah. perfectly quirky and weird i love it that's a great yeah. one and that's been the yeah. thing i've been watching this week i'll have a better recommendation next week but uh and then you've also been watching porn don't leave that out I watch a lot of I <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite i watch a lot of <laughs> well they're gonna take it away from us on only fans so okay. that's the what a smart move there that's like taking sports off of espn i'm yeah, like, like what the is, fuck that's what it is i like, literally was like wait i thought it was just porn like yeah <laughs> no only fans without porn is just instagram that you pay for i mean yeah right? yeah I yeah mean, like we can anybody all those people, we can just follow you on instagram it's, it's like, tumblr yeah, it is <laughs> no one's going you know what i learned sign language on only fans there's this one chick she just <laughs> really nailed it i found it. out what i was doing wrong with my uh, sourdough bread oh <laughs> um <laughs> it's been a delight to have you steve um, oh, thanks for and, having me anytime i would love anything to you want to plug anything coming up that we should be watching 
Well, I did this indie indie film called The Suicide Squad, which we're trying to get people out to watch. So, oh yeah, I love that they're giving that a little chance. Yeah, yeah. it's I I think I'm going to get nominated for an Independent Spirit Award this year. <laughs> I uh, think you should host the Independent Spirit Awards God, for that one, please. Uh, so Chuck. that's out, and then uh, we did a spinoff of that um, movie with jo- myself and John Cena and some other people uh, for HBO Max. And we did, we just finished shooting eight episodes in Vancouver and those will be out in January. I'm excited. I didn't know about it. This is a break. Oh, this is fantastic. Well, really funny. Yeah. It's going to be good. I love John Cena so much. I, I love John Cena too. We have I discussed. do too. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. I've become an even bigger fan, but it's called Peacemaker and it'll be out in the first three episodes. They'll drop it once on HBO Max and then it'll be weekly for, in I January. Perfect. Anything for you to promote, Jenny? Uh, Let's see. Oh, next weekend, uh, I'll be with Fortune Feimster featuring for her in Sacramento. So get your ticks. Yeah, yeah. I think everything's sold out except next Sunday night. So come see us. Don't be shy. Wear a mask. Get a vaccine. All that fun stuff. Okay. Well, thank you, Doing It Nation. Um, It's going to be hard to top this week. So give us a break. We got a high. It's like Martin Marin after Obama. Thinking <laughs> at Carrot Top. It's not, you know, it's going to happen. There's gonna, so we're going to have our Carrot Top next week, who's great, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, Steve Agee. Uh, but, uh, um, and join us. Thanks for being yeah. Thank Thanks. you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.